run. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new podcast. Here's what you could have run. I'm probably the only runner in the UK without a podcast, so I thought I'd jump on the bandwagon and start one. My name's Mark. I'm a keen runner, having been a previously inactive couch potato. I started running in 2011, and despite no skill or hidden ability, I've just kept at it. I've currently run over 100 marathons and ultras up to 145 miles. All of this led to the blog, runlikeduck.co.uk, and eventually a book of the same name that was published last year, and even managed to win an award which I was presented with by that bloke off the telly, Mike Bushell. My accidental progression in running is covered in the book, and I was recently a guest on the Running Hub podcast by Clean Coach Katie, where we talked for over an hour on how a stubborn, middle-aged plodder can slowly progress and eventually complete some of the tough ultras like the Grand Union Canal 145 and the Lakeland 100. Like many runners, I'm currently suffering race withdrawal, as I should have been running London this weekend, as a culmination of 16 weeks of proper focused training, where I even did such things as core class, trying to eat sensibly, follow a training plan provided by clean coach Katie, and also having regular sports massage by the treatment lab in Milton Keynes. Instead, like many other people, I'm sat at home wondering how soon we'll ever get to race again. To help people cope, I thought I'd do an occasional podcast where we try and re- release on the day of a cancelled race, talking one-on-one to a runner that completed the event last year. Hopefully we can all live vicariously through their experience and at least feel some of the excitement, pain and hopefully success that they did. Or it could go terribly and be like watching your ex-boyfriend with his new partner and just be painful for everyone. We're going to have a go and see how it gets on. I welcome any feedback you can provide or any suggestions of other races to cover in the future. The first interview is coming up, and it's with my good mate Ewan, who's going to be talking about London Marathon. Right, joining me today is a club mate Ewan, who's here to talk about London Marathon. As we're all aware, it's been cancelled this year, or at least postponed. Although the way other races are going at the minute, I could quite easily see it being a permanent or cancellor and rolled straight on to next year or maybe run as an elite only race. But let's let's dwell on next year for last year, even for the time being. Um, and here's Ewan. Hello. Hi, Mark. Hi, Ewan. Thanks for coming on. No, pleasure. And uh, yeah, you ran London it. last year then. So uh, how did you get on and what did you think of it? Um, well, uh, London for me last year was a bit of a mixed bag, I have to say. There were oh, some bits of it were, were highs, and some bits of it were uh, were, were lows. Um, but all in all, it was it was definitely an experience to do. But um, yeah, I'll probably talk a bit more about it in a bit. Okay, and that, and that was that your first marathon, was it? That was my first ever. That was my first ever marathon. It was a formal marathon. Obviously, we ran something the year before, which was longer than a marathon, but not actually. We did, yeah. Marathon distance, but not an actual event. Yeah, if anyone's read on the blog, then uh, all two years ago now, I did the Grand Union Canal race, which is 145 miles from Birmingham down to London in one go. And you didn't have anything better to do that weekend, it seems. So 
he uh, came and ran with me for what seemed like an awful lot of it. Even yeah. just about avoided getting bottled by a drunk when I stole someone's beer. So he had an eventful day and decided <laughs> that uh, running London was obviously for him. Or maybe not, as it turns out. So uh, prior to that, then, what sort of other than uh, accompanying drunk mates running along a canal, what's been your kind of running history up to then? Um, I probably started running in my mid 30s. I hated running at school, so it was a bit <laughs> of a surprise when I started running. But That's all of us, isn't like, it? Yeah. Like, like good, like all good, uh, like all good ideas. It was born in the pub um, when a couple of us said, "Oh, let's go and do the Connemara Challenge in Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, which is a kind of cross-country, uh, I guess, triathlon, except uh, you have um, canoeing instead of uh, you have kayaking instead of um, instead of swimming, and mountain biking instead of road biking." But um, that meant that I actually had to get out and learn or relearn how to run properly. Um, but since then, I've been running quite regularly and I joined Lakeside ooh, four years ago now. And that probably started more of my kind of formal focused running. I think. Sure, and Lakeside but, is, of course, the best running club in Milton Keynes, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get that one in there for the green lot. Um, but what, what uh, I've done a couple of half marathons, including the Great North Run up until that point. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Excellent. So uh, you've done some halves and then how did you get into London? Because obviously that's a stumbling block many people never get over. We've got people that have entered ballots for getting on for a decade or more. Well, probably a number of people will lynch me for this but but obviously in uh, October time which is when you uh, well in in back in April uh, just like everybody else I had lined up signed up online for the ballot Um, this was the second time I signed up for the ballot but then I clicked the box which said well I clicked a whole load of boxes which um, (laughs) I can't remember what half of them was but one of them was if you don't get the commiserations T-shirt, you the get entered into stop, another yeah. ballot. Um, uh-huh. And in October, I was at work and I got a text from my wife saying, we, we need to talk. <laughs> and there was just a picture of the Congratulations magazine. And at least there was a picture of that to got... let you know what it was. And it wasn't like, yeah, something more yeah. marital. <laughs> I, I think... Uh, I think I'd forgotten to tell her that I'd actually entered London at that point. Uh, so, yes, it was a bit of a surprise uh, in October. I bet it was. Uh, yeah, no, I've I found, uh, yeah, forgiveness is not always easier than permission when it comes to uh, entering yeah. ballots and forgetting to tell the other half. So that, that's how I got in, was in this extra thousand places by ticking one of the boxes, um, which, given it was the only the second time I'd entered the ballot, I was quite surprised. Well done, then. I mean, yes, it's, that was about 400,000 applied that year, wasn't it, for yes. 20-odd thousand spaces, so you definitely beat the odds. So did you always want to run London, or was it just you wanted a marathon, you thought you'd start with a big one, with the plans to run more marathons? I was interested in running a marathon, but 
everybody always talks about London being amazing and everything else like that. So I kind of got swept up in the hype when I put the uh, when I put the application in. Okay. Um, so that was that was it. I was intending to run a marathon, but I hadn't specifically set my sights on London. No, it's certainly a good one. It's a bit, yeah. I think a lot of people want that to be their first. It's just not always feasibly possible. So, how do your training go? Then you found out in October that you had a marathon to run. How did um, you go about it? Well, actually, in October I was still um, having quite extensive physiotherapy for a broken foot. That's an so, ideal start to everyone's training, I find. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of starting from. <laughs> from Being zero just about able to walk yeah nice. so i thought oh i'll do a measure and this is probably well it, it worked but it might not work for everyone i thought i know i'll enter the mk winter half oh you straight, straight off with a half marathon yeah that's brilliant <laughs> So I got from October to December being able to run a half marathon and all things considered, I was only four minutes off a of PB. At, so what um, time did you yeah, get there then? It was 2.03, I think. Ah. Yeah, for someone who, who had foot surgery that soon ago, that's very impressive. Well done. Um, and then I started training formally on the kind of club training program in January. Okay. So that was following the sort of standard club sort of 16 week build up. Yes. So what did yeah. training look like then in terms of sessions in a week and stuff for anyone that's not followed the training plan? Uh, so generally it was uh, speed work technical sessions on a Tuesday night. Okay. Uh, probably that was we probably do about six miles on that don't we yeah it's normally around that isn't it depending on how quick and, you run uh, the intervals thursday nights were tempo runs uh of about up to 10 miles and then saturday mornings was a long run which then sort of built up uh, as you got closer and closer to, to the to the marathon so it, it there was you know an increase in mileage each week did you just do those three runs or fit any more in yourself uh i did the occasional one but i generally stuck to those three to, to so. those three i think cool so I basically three runs a week doing uh well probably building from about 25 upwards then i guess a week yeah, but Monday nights I actually swam. Ah, um, oh, cross training, you big sheep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could swim well enough to actually use it as a form of exercise, but there you go. Um, and actually, I, 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 I swam, the reason I swam was was more because I had to be at a pool because my son swims competitively. So ah. I thought I'll just do it. But actually, with hindsight, it probably make, did actually make quite a lot of difference. Yeah, I mean, you're getting four solid days exactly. of exercise in there, yeah. And obviously, yeah. you were balancing this training around a full-time job and a family and everything. How did that go? Uh, it, it went fine most of the time, because uh, normally Tuesday nights and Thursday nights are my running nights anyway. Cool. Um, Saturdays at the beginning were fine, because the runs started early. But once we started getting into the 
three hour long run territory uh, mm. it then uh, Saturdays became quite a busy day because I had to then spend another three hours recovering just before I could <laughs> do anything <laughs> yeah I do remember quite how hard the long runs are on a Saturday especially when you're building up there yeah yeah they're hard work especially if you've got to go and mow the lawn when you get home and do all but the dad the jobs thing, the, the great thing of the Saturday training runs was you come in and uh yeah, I, I then had to have double breakfast because I was so hungry. <laughs> Nothing like a hobbit breakfast, though. Yeah. Cool. And in terms of, yeah, managing that then around, uh, you have to probably did you do some races in there as well to try and get the miles up and get a bit of experience, or did you go straight into London? No. So uh, as part of my training, I did the Oakley 20, ah. uh, uh, which I really, I really, really enjoyed that race. It was it was quite a hot day, but I remember getting a time of I think it was one hour fifty seven. Sorry, two hours fifty seven. That's very impressive. Twenty miles, well done. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, sub three is is still good because it's quite an undulating course, isn't it? I'm told. Yeah, um, really enjoyed it, um, and I was gutted this year when it was cancelled. Because uh, I had a place and I was I'm really looking forward to that again this year. Yeah, I think there's a pattern for Oakley. I've entered it twice and it's been cancelled due to snow both times. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one year I'll get to run it. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so you got a nice solid sub three then for Oakley. So, yeah. on an undulating course. So, is that your last big race before London? It, it was, but then my, my training uh, and I realised. Uh, now it was probably over training or trying to go maybe it wasn't quite ready for it but a couple of weeks after Oakley I then um, pulled my calf muscle quite badly oh. which meant uh, trips to the physio and I think that was essentially it was two weekends after Oakley so it was probably that was when my long runs really ended yeah, because Oakley's what, normally about a month or so before London, is it? Yeah, and I definitely had three weeks where I didn't do any long runs before London. I suppose at that point you've got the training, haven't you? You've just taken a slightly longer taper, really, so it's not yeah. it's not the worst time to injure yourself, I guess. Yeah. Cool. If I'd had three, if I'd had three fifty nine, I would have been, I would have been, I was, I was going to be really happy. Brilliant. Okay, yeah, it's a good target to aim for. Certainly better than mine, which was sub five for my first marathon. So you were streets ahead of me at that point. Cool. So in the week leading up to London, then you've got the the love it or hate it expo to go and get your bib from. Did you go? Did you find an idiot to go in your place? And if you did go, what did you think of it? Uh, because it was my first one, I, I wasn't wanted to be uh, tainted by clubmates' views <laughs> of expos. Oh, so, no, you shouldn't always listen to me, yeah. So I thought I would go and see for myself. Um, so I conveniently arranged a meeting in London for work oh, and uh, went along in my lunch break, uh, which was uh i don't know a bit of a wasted lunch break really um, <laughs> so i'm glad you share my opinion i don't know it, it, it 
felt it felt a bit like a half-baked national running show. Oh, there you but go. Having, having been to the national running show in January this year, that was it's essentially the same format, um, but the national running show was just actually a much better experience. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't like expos, but I do like the National Run Show. I think the main difference seems to be people are there because they want to be. Yeah. Whereas at expos, at least half the people there just need to pick up their bib and get out. So so what was yeah. what, what was sort of weird about it was you picked up your, you know, XL for a start is a nightmare to get to for um, a couple, you know, for... For anyone. If you're it's to... a crap bit of London, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, well... You know, make it much smaller and make it somewhere more central, like in Westminster or somewhere like that. Um, so, yeah, that that was yeah. I would have been happy to just get my number in the post because even though I went midweek and this was before the peak uh, weekend collections, they'd run out of all of those Lucas Aid. All those things that they were trying last year. Oh yeah, the weird things, yeah. Because I'd really wanted to go and try them and sort of, you know, find out what they were like and and stuff and whether it was, you know, pop. Uh, and yeah, they'd run out. And this was, I think, the Wednesday. Yeah, if, if anyone's not been to an expo, then London Expo is somewhere between Oxford Street on Christmas Eve and. And I suppose, uh, yeah, going to the council offices to queue up for paperwork, it's, a, it's an interesting mix of queuing and crowds and crushing and people frantically spending money they probably don't have on gear they don't need. Yeah. So, yeah. so true to all advice, I then did buy a piece of new kit, which I used on the day. I, I hope it was trainers or something really intrinsic that could ruin your race. Well, it, it, was, it, was, it was underwear. Ah. So it could have really ruined yeah, my race. Yeah, that can definitely, yeah. If you get that wrong, you can end up like Action Man by the end of it with everything worn away. Thankfully, it went the other way, and it was actually, oh, why didn't I, why didn't I use these boxer shorts? Oh, there you go. Do you want to recommend the brand that saved your uh, unmentionables? Uh, it was, it was Runderwear. Oh, there you go. And I like them too. Actually, that wasn't stays. I also am a big fan of Runderwear. Yeah. Yeah, and I think until you run in proper running pants, you don't realise what a difference they make, and then you think you're a bit of an idiot for not having used them before. Exactly. Money well spent. Exactly. I've nearly had to drop out of a 50-miler because I was uh, chafing somewhere. Men never want to chafe before I had that. <laughs> and there's, there's only so much uh, Vaseline you can put somewhere to actually do any good. Yeah. So, That's a lovely so visual I... image so I, I didn't I didn't follow that 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 piece of advice that you get in runners world and everything else like that. But uh, I think you know if you do see something new that's there and you're sensible, then you know I I'm not overly sure that it 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 holds true. You know you cool. just need to, to to run with what you're feeling. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of I forgot to mention the long runs, how are you fueling yourself on those? Were you gels, food? Uh, bags and nuts. I started with gels and I don't really get on with gels very much um, so I resorted to jelly babies and um, I think I, I had cereal bars as well okay, they, sure. they work really well but you do kind of have to um, <laughs> you do have to eat them carefully 
Yeah, they're probably not ideal if you're banging out four-minute miles at the front, are they? No. Uh, well, yeah, of course I was banging out four-minute miles, <laughs> but anyway. Of course you were. But the one thing I did learn in my experimenting with that is uh, soaring bars are best eaten stationary. <laughs> is, that, is that a new slogan for them, is it? Yeah, yeah, they, they're, they're not, soaring bars are really good and I've used them since on, on longer runs, um, but you do have to stop to eat them. It's quite a dense they're... thing to eat on the hoof, I would have said, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that, that was another thing from, from, from long runs learning. Yeah, it's but a I learning do, experience. I tended to do all my long runs hungry, so I didn't eat beforehand, so yeah. I just had a banana. That's controversial. Mm. So you work when there are people that get us up two hours before to eat a massive bowl of porridge, four cups of coffee and visit the toilets three times then? No, because that would mean getting up at three in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I, I certainly share your sentiment on that. I'd rather be hungry and asleep yeah. than yeah, awake and well fed at that time of the day. Cool, so you got your number then at the expo, you're ready to go. You've presumably sort of fixed your calf strain. Yeah, I had it. I think I was taped up on the day. So uh, I think I'd been to see the, the, the physio and they'd, they'd done some precautionary taping the day before. Wondrous bits of K-tape around your calf then, yeah. Yeah. Super. So how do you get to the start then? And where is the start for anyone that's not run London? How does it work logistically? Uh, so start uh, is in Blackheath, which is deepest, darkest southeast London. Mm. I was I was quite lucky. I was staying over at my in-laws in West London. Um, so I just got the tube and the train from Charing Cross. OK. To Blackheath. It was... To be honest, I had read all of the nightmare stories about it, so I'd actually left quite a bit of time. And uh, it was busy, and um, but getting on the train in Charing Cross, I got straight on the train, got a seat and everything. But loads of people joined at London Bridge. Yeah, then every stop along the way, it gets that bit busier, doesn't it? So actually, by starting at Charing Cross, I, I remember getting on the train, having a coffee. It was quite a relaxed journey out there. So I do. Um, and yeah, there was quite there was a really good atmosphere on the on the train and stuff. So it was. Uh, yeah, and it was I find that makes me quite nervous when I've travelled into London like before. And that every stop, more people get on. You can feel like the tension, the nervous energy build. And actually, you're still like two hours out from race start, aren't you? But suddenly you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to race. You always want to yeah, go there and then. Quite a lot of the spectators were there and there and on the same train. So it was actually, yeah, it was, it was I found it quite a nice mix, actually. Cool. But then I was chilled out sitting in a seat. I wasn't kind of pushed in and squashed by the doors. So, yeah, that's good. Then you did, did a good plan then. So what start were you at? Can you remember? Red, green, blue? I think it was red. And were you, I think they go no, zero to nine, don't they normally? Do you remember roughly what pen in that? Or, I would have 
would have been a, somewhere in the middle, about four or five. About four, I think. something like about four. Yeah, that, I think that's where I started when I did my first London as well. Yeah. So yeah, the, the London has dual starts. If anyone's not run that before, so although you all cover the same distance, you don't all start at the same point just because of getting forty thousand people going is quite an achievement so they have two starts and kind of a, an extra half start for the green start and the elites and you all eventually meet up somewhere around mile four or five i think from memory so the only thing i seem to remember was i had i kind of planned on getting a cup of coffee or something uh, in blackheath um and or a bite to eat or something but because of the crowds coming from blackheath station you're you're funneled along uh kind of fencing in some oh, yeah. so you couldn't actually get out to go to the shops and none of the shops were really open so, so you'd recommend bringing your own breakfast in future I, I think bring your own breakfast or getting it earlier in the journey okay cool and then when you get there then uh presumably you've got a drop bag and stuff to sort out so i had drop bag um i actually uh because i'd left quite a lot of time and was quite sort of chilled i actually didn't drop my bag till right at the end um and uh that was they've got these really tight timings i think for logistics but all in all they're not gonna not let you in your pen yeah, uh, I think I think they late. say they close the baggage lorries about half an hour before the start, don't they? I think from memory. So, so I left it. I left it right to the end, and I literally just chucked it, chucked it to a person. There was no, there was no queue, um, and stuff. So, yeah, I, I left it a little bit later than everybody else, and I, but I think it worked for me. Well, I suppose that, that does that mean you ended up at the back of your start pen? I'm guessing. To be honest, I don't think it makes any difference. Fine. Yeah, you could just well, credit forever, isn't it? <laughs> with hindsight, from 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 my perspective, I don't think in the whole grand scheme of the race, I don't think it's. And so I was in the in amongst people who are looking at the four hour mark. I guess yeah. is it that there's so many other things that it's not essential to get to the front of your pen on this race. Yeah, no, I, I sort of agree, to be honest. If you And if you can try and find your pace, and they're quite good to try and stick next to, but yeah, not always easy to find them when there's that many people around. Yeah. So you stood in the start pen on the start of your first marathon, running London. What's going through your head? Uh, I was really relieved to got there. Oh. Uh, as in, you know, I'd done the training. Did you really bad on the tube? or? <laughs> <laughs> No, I was really anxious. Like, <laughs> I was really anxious the night before, um, rather than actually on the day. I think so. My anxiety and you know everything uh, was kind of in the days building up. Once mm. I got there, I'd got to Blackheath and everything, and it had all worked out fine. I was actually quite chilled and you know really ready to, for the race to to get going. Um, and I was quite at that point, I, given this was my first marathon, I was. I was quite I was confident that I knew I could do it. It was whether I could do the time. Um, That's a good place to be in, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, the I think one of the things though was that it, you do you do end up standing around in that pen for a lot longer than you think you're going to be standing there. Did you have sort of bin bag or throwaway clothes, or you just stood there shivering, wishing you bought something? I stood there shivering uh, and just accepted that I was <laughs> going to warm up in a bit when we finally right. got running. Cool. So you stood there and then presumably you started to hear the start head off. You'd probably crossed, what, 10 minutes after the the main pack if they worked through the start pens, was it? Yeah, it must have been 10, 10 if not 15 minutes. That's why I was, was really surprised at how long it actually took even to get through the pen. Yeah, I mean, I think this year or last year, as it is now, they were saying the final people were up to about half an hour, weren't they, the very back of the pens? But it was quite weird because you were, you went out of the pen and then you immediately kind of doubled back on yourself, which seemed to create its own bottleneck. But maybe there's a reason for that. Fine. So the klaxon goes and you're off. Yeah. Take us through the first few miles. Then. Could you even see the concrete under the, your feet with all the runners? Actually, my, the first few miles were quite reasonably open running. Um, I was quite surprised because everyone had said, oh, the beginning's an absolute nightmare. Um, and no, I, th there was quite clear running, actually. Um, what happened for me was when then all of the pens joined just before the hill, and I forget the name of the hill. Oh, yeah. It was after the pens joined together that it suddenly closed up and then became quite, quite bunched up. Yeah. And were you kind of on pace up to that point or were you running on fear or? I was, uh, I'll be honest, uh, I was probably too fast. That's the same, the same with everyone at London because it's slightly downhill as well, isn't it? The first sort of three miles or so. Yeah, I, I, it was that and I, I was definitely caught up in the nervous energy of, of everyone else. And waving at the cameras and stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Although I did, uh, I did, uh, I think I needed a wee about mile five, <laughs> uh, probably because I'd had two coffees by that point. Um, but um, what what was did become apparent was that the the loose stops are definitely quieter at the beginning of the race than at the end of the race. So if mm. that's a, if you're if you're planning your wee stops, then it's definitely uh, one to bear in mind. Go early or just go mid run and don't break stride. That's what the triathlon guys do, isn't it? <laughs> but I was going to ruin my new underwear, so no. True, true, yes. Yeah, if, if you've got cheap underwear, then go for it. <laughs> cool. So uh, yeah, yeah. As you sort of joined up, it got busier, and then how did it go from there on? That that was that was probably the bit where it became a bit of, uh, as you know, as I said at the beginning, mixed feelings about the race. Um, it became particularly going into Cutty Sark and then. That's quite the, a tight kind of turn around that as well, isn't it? Yeah. Then the featureless bit that takes you from Cutty Sark up to uh, Bermondsey and Tower Bridge. That was really bunched up so kind of this was running in with a four hour pacer it was really bunched up um and you had to be really careful with people who were 
weaving in and out, trying to stay close to the blue line. Yeah. And there was like one in one one occasion where somebody who was running suddenly saw somebody in the crowd and then turned back and ran backwards against the flow <laughs> of people. So popular. Yeah, he, he, he went down a real treat with all of us. Um, but that that I have to say, which we'll probably come on to in a bit, is the bit I didn't enjoy. So you were shocked to find that London Marathon was busy, is what you're saying? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was. I hadn't quite prepared myself for what running with whatever it is, forty thousand other yeah, people 40, was actually going to be yeah. like. And I, yeah, particularly when I've I've run it three times so far, I've been quite lucky with that. And yeah, although it's good to run with the pacer it does add an even bigger concentration of people i think so if you're if you're with a popular pace you're never going to exactly find it quiet no um and, and what i found quite difficult in that is trying to actually really see where you were running and almost looking ahead to see where the next corner was or, or what you were going to do so that bit basically up until tower bridge was really quite congested yeah, no, it definitely can be. I mean, Tower Bridge, I think, is always a highlight for me once you get onto it. Yeah. Oh, running across Tower Bridge and the noise of the crowd and just the whole significance of it, that was a, that was amazing and that was definitely one of the highlights. Of the yeah, I think I cried on my uh, first time doing that. Fortunately, yeah. I had sunglasses on, so no one could see I was crying. I could maintain my tough guy persona. But, yeah, I think even if you've not, you know, not been a hardcore runner from early in your life. I think everyone's watched London Marathon at some point, haven't they, and kind of considered it. Yeah. And bits like yeah. Tower Bridge just stick in your head. Yeah, it was it was it was a definite highlight um, there, and it's it's kind of good to have that highlight because the next little bit before you get to Canary Wharf um, is probably a little bit dismal. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's the interesting people yeah hate on quite a lot of marathons for having boring sections of the course but even massive events like london do have sections you're just running through you know yeah. normal housing estates and some closed down offices and a and a carpet depot or something yeah they've all got their own boring sections yeah so so that that was that that was great so uh probably then i Coming up to Canary Wharf, there's obviously quite a, uh, there's like a gentle hill that goes on quite a long way. Um, and you can see Canary Wharf, but it seems to take an awful long time to get to you. <laughs> it's and quite think, tall, isn't it? Yeah. And at this point, for whatever reason, was when my pace started to undo. And I'm yeah. not quite sure whether I was, I definitely started too fast. But whether I had just got to a point where I was uh, tired or I had, was having an energy dip, but this was kind of when I started to find it really hard. And were you taking gels on and stuff or did you have your cereal bath with you? Or I had, had taken gels because I, I eventually managed to, to, to kind of use them. But for some odd reason, I'd... I guess getting caught in, and this is all with reflection, got caught up with, I took my first gel a bit too early uh -huh. or earlier than I'd planned to. 
So I was a bit out of sync with when I had planned to take my gels and stuff. But actually, I think I was just starting to tire because I had gone out too fast. Yeah, and I mean, Tower Bridge is just before halfway, isn't it? So you're now kind of somewhere around 13, 14 miles. Yeah. But then it was it was fab because I got up to Canary Wharf and uh, it's Canary Wharf is really quite busy and with my, my family I'd seen my family at Bermondsey and they then made the trip across to Canary Wharf to see oh, me excellent. and um, uh, I was looking at the crowds going I'm never going to see them and then I looked up and I saw my son had climbed a traffic light and was sitting <laughs> the top of the traffic light. I bet you're proud I was because it was clear the police couldn't get to him because of the crowd was so deep <laughs> There was there was my my ten year old sitting on top of a traffic light, which oh, was uh, shouting at me, which was a, a, a great highlight because I needed it at that point. Yeah, I've missed um, my family a couple of times when I've run London just because it's so busy, isn't it? Or occasions they close the tube stops so people can't even get to where they want to be. So yeah, and so, it kind of plays on your mind, doesn't it? You expect to see them at mile fifteen or whatever, and it gets to sixteen, you've not seen them, and you kind of mentally it can be quite hard. So I think. What what we'd agreed was that because obviously I had my wife had two kids with them. I think what worked for us was she came. To, they, they saw me each each time, so they got to Bermondsey early and saw the elites. So that was that was fun because you know uh, kind of saw Kipchoge and Mo Farah and everyone really racing it out. And then I trundled along a bit later. A couple of minutes later, yeah. A couple of minutes later, yeah. hot on the heels. <laughs> And then it was quite an easy trip from Bermondsey to Canary Wharf on the tube. Yeah. Uh, so they then saw me then and then they saw me again. Uh, it must have been coming up to Blackfriars, I think. Um, and that that was, you know, uh, and then they went to, then they went to the end because um, the rest of it's really quite hard to access with all the crowds. Yeah, there's definitely it's less good that bit, isn't it? I'm always well, surprised think, how busy Canary Wharf is because you think no one lives around there, so you expect it to be quiet, and it's probably one of the busiest bits on the course. Yeah, so I think uh, my, my, for, for, for what we learned for trying to watch people, don't schlep all the way out to Blackheath and see people early on. Just try and pick a couple of places quite centrally. Three's probably pushing it, but mm. if, if you aim for two, and then that's probably what you're going to get. And uh, someone else recommended if you have got spectators with push chairs and stuff, then check which ones are wheelchair accessible while planning your routes. So you can try and yes. not have to hunk prams up and down steps. Yeah. Um, so that so, was fine. Uh, so you finish Canary Wharf sort of loops, kind of well, kind of twenty twenty one miles, isn't it? Yes. And I was I was really feeling it by that point. Um, and. Uh, yeah it's getting quite grumpy at that point <laughs> <laughs> too many people too many people it's even busier than my local park run yeah um uh and then i think uh, at that point i was getting really grumpy and it, it's happened to me uh i think three or four times since and so i actually now recognize that it's part of my race because no. i just <laughs> have to factor in a period of grumpiness fine and because i'm always sweetness and light when i i race as you can remember from grand union when you 
hit me up and I was having a very low point and was about as much fun as Eeyore to try and run with. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so so I now I now basically plan to be grumpy somewhere between about mile nineteen and twenty three and I just deal with it. So if you're ever watching me and that's where you see this really grumpy Eeyore running along, then, <laughs> then it's all part of the plan. Oh good, yeah, you're getting the pain cave as they like to call it. Yeah, I was uh I was getting really annoyed with people that were going go on you can do it and i was like no i can't just leave me alone <laughs> yeah the wonder of spectating isn't it yeah it's like i know you mean well but i mean that section there i, I always find quite good because you're doubling back on yourself a bit aren't you so you're going out about 21 22 miles people coming the other way up sort of 13 14 miles so yes it's nice to see other people and as mean as it sounds, it's also nice to be that far ahead of people. Yes. It gives you a um, bit of a boost that they, you know, they've still got the whole of Canary Wharf to run around for the next hour and you're all done and dusted. Yeah. Although there was a bit further on that bit, which brings you back down into Blackfriars. There was, I don't know whether it was an official stop or a charity stop or something, we're handing out bananas. Mm. And uh, it struck me as about, you know, ever since you're a kid, you know, you don't, watching Looney Tunes cartoons <laughs> you don't put banana skins where people are running no not unless you're Wiley Coyote or something yeah so in my in my grumpiness this was another uh this was another thing to be grumpy about was banana <laughs> skins on the course I hate people I hate banana skins yeah and then I think then you come up to the point where um what was really surprising was um when you come out of the underpass by Blackfriars. Yeah. The, the crowds who are there, it was so noisy. It was absolutely deafening. It was the crowd support at that point is really quite amazing. But it's weirdly quiet in the tunnel, isn't it, from memory? So you kind of almost go into a dodgy underpass almost, isn't it? And then you yeah. burst out the other side and it's, yeah. It's quite um, emotional. Yeah. But then that that I, you know, that that was that at that point was quite a hard slog up to Westminster because I was really feeling it by that point. But once I'd got past Big Ben and then was going on towards St. James's Park, because um, when I used to when I used to work in London, that used to be part of my kind of running route. It was then actually, oh, I know this bit. And I, I really perked up at that point. Yeah, I think that section when you run towards Big Ben kind of starts to seem like the home straight, doesn't it? Even though you've got well, nearly a mile left. Yeah. I think mentally you just see the big clock and run for it, don't you? Yeah. And surprisingly, surprisingly, I think because there are not many tube stations along that stretch, the crowd's a bit quieter along there. Mm. Um, but so yeah, you're no, coming down to Big Ben, you've got about a mile left. Is your target time out the window is it still there are you shuffling are you by running triumphantly the, with a second wind by uh, the start of st james's park i was shuffling and <laughs> by this point the uh, the the aspiration to being sub sub four is long gone um uh, that that probably dissolved about 
mile 21 when I realised I just couldn't keep the pace up. Yeah, that's, um, that's not a bad place to hang on to it too, though, is it? I've lost targets way earlier than that before. Um, and But then once I got to St James's Park, I knew you know i knew how far i had to go um you could hear the pa systems for the finish and stuff so i then perked up and i was like i am going to run the final mile at my intended pace as you know even if even if i crawl across the line <laughs> so Brilliant. i picked up the pace for the final mile um uh, and that felt that felt really good cool so you did that nice little section running up to the queen's house give a little wave and do the final turn Yes, something like that. Was it emotional after those months of training to finally be finishing your first marathon? Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I, I was, I was really. I think my emotions were were about Tower Bridge. I was then like, yes, I, I was, because I, I think from the start I knew I could do the distance. Mm. I. I got to that point and, and it was it was a bit of a relief to be done, to be honest. Um, I think because I, I, I genuinely hadn't enjoyed running with that many other people um, for so long. Yeah, I think I certainly when I did my first, I expected it to be a, I don't know, almost like religious experience at the end. And you, to some extent, you are just pleased to have finished it and not wasted the last four hours of your life or five in my case. Yeah. What's what's interesting, though, is that it's not. As a, as a finish, I found it slightly underwhelming. Mm, controversial. Partly because when you do other smaller events, um, you know, and some of the ones we have around Milton Keynes and stuff, you, the people who've come out to watch you, support you, your club mates, they're all there. So you finish and then you go and find your mate and there's a, you know, you have a big chat, you know, if it's MK Marathon, you've usually by that point got a beer in your hand. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas London, uh, there's some announcer when you go over the line, but the crowds are not allowed to be at the start line, uh, sorry, at the finish line. Yeah, it's quite, you know, very sort of, yeah, faceless and a bit sterile to some extent, isn't it? So you, you kind of come through and then you pick up your bag and you're moved through that area by marshals quite quickly. Yeah. And so, they ferry you out to the, what do they call reunion points or something, don't they, with your family? Yeah, and by that point, fast is not a word in your dictionary. <laughs> that is one of the slowest walks you ever do, isn't it, from getting your bag to getting out? It's probably like 200 metres and takes about 10 minutes. Yeah, and, and, and the, 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 the marshal's definition of fast and your definition of fast is not the same. So you finished your first marathon. What time did you get? Because you nicely glossed over that. Uh, four hours, 27 that's not a lot over then, is it? That's that's. I think that's still well above average for London Marathon finish. So, yeah. So I was, I was, you know, I was, I was disappointed that I hadn't, I hadn't got closer to four. But then, with hindsight, you know, even it was, it was my first marathon, and I learnt so much on that. that yeah. You, you can't. 
you can't if it's your first marathon you can't underestimate what you learn on your first marathon and how useful that is and there are a lot of people that said you know 20 miles is kind of mentally halfway on a marathon so mm. i think the problem is most training runs stop at 20 don't they so yeah just that extra six is actually a lot more effort than just a little 10k around your park and you don't you don't know how your body's going to react or the feelings you're going to have until you've actually done it yeah um so that that was what was that was you know what were the biggest learning and probably one of the reasons why i didn't get four hours was i had completely underestimated how it was going to feel for me and no matter how many conversations I'd had or how many uh, kind of articles I'd read about it. It, it wasn't, it, it, none of them kind of relate, some bits related, but none of it really related to my own experience. You, should, you probably could have read a really good book about it. I could recommend one, by the way. <laughs> 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 Got to get the book plug in yet. I mean, I've not done it yet. Um, so you finished, so your overall sort of feeling as you finish them as more relief to finish sense of achievement or a little bit numb that it didn't quite how did it feel I felt uh, I, I felt relief that I'd done it and I was really really pleased and proud of myself for having done it Good. Uh, there was a bit of disappointment but like I say that's disappeared with time about not being closer to four hours I think yeah, that's an important message isn't it if people run their first that yeah any negative thoughts you have will very quickly go yeah as well the ability to walk without help for a couple of days but there you go well that that was the thing was that we had agreed to meet um by uh horse guards parade so i met my family at horse guards parade um and then promptly put on a pair of flip-flops because yeah my my, <laughs> my feet were killing me by that point and then uh hobbled all the way over to embankment tube station and uh TFL had stopped all the escalators. <laughs> Especially for you. Yeah. And I was, I, 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 I took this as a major insult and vowed never to pay for a tube fare again. Oh dear. That is so funny, I had to hobble it? down all of these stairs, which absolutely killed me. But. And what were the feelings of your family then? Were they excited or did they not quite understand? I know my kids are a bit uh blase now about me finishing races so they're just you know daddy's run another race it's not very exciting uh no i think they'd re they they had realized that this was a big thing for me and so they were suitably excited uh since then i think <laughs> they've become a bit more despondent about it although now although now they're both running and things and so they've had their own kind of pb experience at park runs and, and things like that i think it's it's become a bit more of a big thing again so you think you've been a positive influence from that point of view getting the kids running uh i'd like to think so yeah good i think you probably have so you should yeah <laughs> you should be pleased with yourself for that because there's a lot of dads who don't are they we you know you get past that and you concentrate on drinking and uh, watching footy on the sofa and it only goes one way. So I think it's yeah. good to try and where you can set an example that exercise shouldn't be something odd and weird and it should be something you do fairly regularly. 
yeah and then that obviously this is this is quite true at the moment so actually the kids have gone out pretty much most weeks for a run if not two runs in the last Brilliant. couple of weeks so it does yeah, we're yeah. recording this just before the london marathon the day before what should be happening obviously it's not and yeah we've been in lockdown for what four weeks now so no schools etc for four or five weeks and most people working from home for that period so it's a very odd time isn't it yeah definitely it, it is probably very easy just to sit and play playstation 24 7 or xbox <laughs> <laughs> i prefer xbox personally but there you go. Yeah. So after London, then did you hang out your running shoes? Did you try and pick another race? Did you want to do another marathon? Do you want to do something completely different? No, I since I discovered running, I've I I I, I love it, um, and I definitely didn't hang up my sh my my running shoes. I entered the Abingdon Marathon pretty much soon after London. Oof um and then uh, obviously uh, i was keen to go a little bit further and do a trail run so i entered the green sands ridge relay which was in june which was uh what's it 34 mile trail race. yeah so between end of april and june you stepped up for a marathon to ultra yes so you obviously were very keen then yeah and then i think i, I ran a last year was my best running year ever I, I i set myself a target of running a thousand miles and i think within last year i must have done i think last year i did five or six different events of different distances Isn't so it was well definitely done. my best running year last year so going forward are you thinking more marathons more longer stuff or well, I was, the race ever happen again, of course. I was, uh, I was, I had entered the Milton Keynes Marathon, which is obviously in two weeks' time. Yes, or it would be, yeah. It would have been in two weeks' time. So I was quite looking forward to that. Uh, but uh, I, I entered Oakley again this year, but that's been cancelled. Yeah, it's a familiar uh, pattern, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I, I was looking forward to entering the Green Sands Ridge Relay, but obviously that's been cancelled as well, so yes yeah it's just not going well this year for race is it but yeah. assuming things happen and you're running milton keynes in is it end of september or start of october i should know this shouldn't i but yeah around that have you got a goal for that or is it just get another marathon under the belt or are you going for your sub four or different um no my my aim for 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 mk was i i if I would like to to shave time off my London time. Um, I if I can get below four fifteen, four ten, I think I would be very happy. That'd be a good, yeah, good chunk off, wouldn't it? Um, but you know, I think I'd, I'd train for four. I'd probably train, or I was training for four fifteen um and then if i can find better on the day then i would go for it i've had a couple of instances this year and it was um the winter half last year where i ran much more to feel and in fact for the second half of the race i 
completely ditch my watch. So I didn't, right. re- I didn't, I didn't look at it. And I ended up coming out with an absolutely blistering PB. So this part of me just thinks that I need to be less reliant on a pace and run more to a feel and my times will probably get better. Yeah, it's often recommended, but it's quite a ballsy move, isn't it? At the start line to kind of ignore your watch and just go for it. Yeah, I think I found ignoring it halfway through once you've kind of settled into a rhythm and pace Mm. is probably seems to be working for me. Excellent. You're getting very tree huggy there, aren't you? Running the trails and trusting your inner spirit. Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Exact opposite of London. Exact opposite of London, definitely. So would you would you run London again, given the opportunity? Uh, We've had this conversation. Yeah. No. (laughs) That's why I thought you'd be some person to interview. Uh, So you uh, will run it again, but are you glad you did run it the once? I'm glad I ran it. Uh, I'm glad I ran it the first time last year. Uh, but I wouldn't run it again. And the reason is I, I just found I found it very commercial and corporate. Mm. And um, in, in when you're in the pack around four hours, you're in amongst quite a lot of people who are doing it. For their first time who are not experienced runners um it, and it's it was crowded yeah. um so, so no so would you recommend it to other people if i i, I would um i like the caveat yeah. I, I would uh but if it was if you were going to do it for charity and it was a, it, you were you were doing it as a longer term goal to start running. Then I think it's great because the crowds, the hype, and everything else that goes round it will get you there definitely. And it's and it's an amazing experience for that. Yeah. If yeah. you're a if you're already a runner, and you've you're looking at PBs um, and you know running's more part of your normal life i wouldn't necessarily recommend it um uh i I would go for smaller events um do you mean stuff like manchester where it's a bit shorter yeah definitely manchester (laughs) it's a bit shorter (laughs) no but i yeah i think uh, and also if, if you like running on your own and you're not too bothered by running in groups of people then you know there are there are smaller quieter marathons to do mm. that that you can you can achieve stuff on so that that would be what i would say about whether i'd recommend it no that's good everyone's got an opinion so mm. it, yeah some people seem to think london is a be or an end or i certainly enjoy it but i do appreciate it's it's definitely got some downsides for me it's the expo is always a downside <laughs> And I, yeah, every year I luckily get in, I have to play, find the idiot who can pick up my bib for me. Yeah, that, so there has to, to be a bib. We have to uh, figure out a way of uh, at least make it pay for a bib collection service. Yes. Well, the only upside, if it does happen later this year, is they are saying one of the things they're considering is posting out bibs so you don't have to go to the expo. How revolutionary. Who would have Exactly. If only there was some sort of system where they could post stuff out to people. 
I reckon there's, you know, there's definitely a market there. Yeah. But I guess the expo's for the for the sponsors rather than for the actual runners. Yeah, I think it's probably a good money maker for them, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah, I did Chicago last year and my goal was to get in and out as quickly as possible. And I think me and Dennis did about 35 minutes from getting to the door of the hall to getting back out again. <laughs> we we're quite pleased with that and then went to go and drink beer and enjoy Chicago. Yeah, you can't, there isn't really much to enjoy in that part of London. That's the other thing. You can't go and drink beer necessarily. No, the expos are always in the arse end of town, aren't they? Yeah. Paris was the same. It was in a graffiti ridden, uh, damp smelling hall in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but that's a lot of Paris is actually quite graffiti ridden and damp smelling, but it's still lovely. Mm. Cool. Well, thank you very much for that. Are there any other sort of final advice for anyone? who might one day run London if it ever happens again uh, I would definitely say it's not a it's not a PB course oh. um, just because of the crowds um, the setup and everything else like that so I unless you you're kind of uh, in amongst a bunch of, of very good strong runners then um, it's probably not a PB course brilliant no, that's good words to finish on. Thank you very much for that. I'll let you go enjoy the rest of your day. And Thank hopefully you. I'll see you at the club one. Oh, there's a voice in the background. Yeah, sorry. It's, 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 it's my wife interrupting. Oh, don't be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, I will, yeah, I'll let you go. And hopefully I'll see you at a club run soon once, once varying lockdowns are over. Or Friday morning dog jog. Yes, we like them. That's the highlight of my week when I actually we can get back to running the woods with dogs and tripping over. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm going up there this afternoon, so. Oh, I've got I've got an easy run this afternoon, and then I'm going to try and do a marathon distance run tomorrow to make up for missing London. So, cool. just see how that goes. Okay. Super. Thank you much for that. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> So that was you and the view of the race and a good honest account of his experiences. As I mentioned in the interview, I've been lucky enough to run it three times and 2020 was to be my fourth attempt. I've run it uh, once for charity and twice for the ballot so far. I've also got the experience of trying to raise uh, £2,000 to try and satisfy the charity entry, which is not a small undertaking by anyone, but I did fortunately manage it but it does add that element of stress and you're having to raise the money at the same time as training. So if you can get in on the ballot, I would definitely recommend that way. London's amazing race, an example of how a large scale event should be run. I've run a lot of, sort of similar sized races that just haven't had the organization behind them. And you really do notice how quickly things can fall apart if it's not organized properly, not just sort of mild experience, but also going into account sort of health and safety issues, etc. So, yeah, London did an amazing job of that and certainly deserves to be commended. Um, I've always enjoyed running London, but as Ewan found, sometimes the sheer scale of it can be detrimental to your performance. So I would tend to agree with him that unless you're really pushing at the front, it's probably not a PB course. It certainly gives you good focus to train for and the crowds are obviously a massive boost, but you will get congestion at places and you'll likely have started the race six seven hours after waking up depending on how you got down there so those things tend to play against getting a pb 
I hope you enjoyed the interview and feel you got a little insight into what it's like to train for and run London Marathon. And I hope it's an experience we can all get at some point in the future. If you have any feedback or suggestions for other races to cover, please let me know. The easiest way to contact me is on Twitter under the username Monty the Mole or on the website runlikeduck.co.uk. Thanks for listening and see you all soon. Stay safe and enjoy your running. Bye-bye. Game over.